Day 5 of Totus Tuus' Novena for Christmas With quotes from Benedict XVI's encyclical Deus Caritas Est Having reflected on the nature of love and its meaning in biblical faith we are left with two questions concerning our own attitude Can we love God without seeing Him? And can love be commanded? Against the double commandment of love, these questions raise a double objection. No one has ever seen God, so how could we love him? Moreover, love cannot be commanded. It is ultimately a feeling that is either there or not, nor can it be produced by the will. Scripture seems to reinforce the first objection when it states, If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. But this text hardly excludes the love of God as something impossible. On the contrary, the whole context of the passage quoted from the first letter of John shows that such love is explicitly demanded. The unbreakable bond between love of God and love of neighbor is emphasized. One is so closely connected to the other that to say that we love God becomes a lie if we are close to our neighbor or hate him altogether. St. John's words should rather be interpreted to mean that love of neighbor is a path that leads to the encounter with God and that closing our eyes to our neighbor also blinds us to God. True. No one has ever seen God as he is, and yet God is not totally invisible to us. He does not remain completely inaccessible. God loved us first, says the letter of John, and this love of God has appeared in our midst. He has become visible inasmuch as he has sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. God has made himself visible. In Jesus, we are able to see the Father. Indeed, God is visible in a number of ways. In the love story recounted by the Bible, he comes towards us, he seeks to win our hearts, all the way to the Last Supper, to the piercing of his heart on the cross, to his appearances after the resurrection, and to the great deeds by which through the activity of the apostles, he guided the nascent church along its path. Nor has the Lord been absent from subsequent church history. He encounters us ever anew, in the men and women who reflect his presence, in his word, in the sacraments, and especially in the Eucharist. In the church's liturgy, in her prayer, in the living community of believers, we experience the love of God. We perceive his presence, and we thus learn to recognize that presence in our daily lives. He has loved us first, and he continues to do so. We too, then, can respond with love. God does not demand of us a feeling which we ourselves are incapable of producing. He loves us, he makes us see and experience his love. 
and since he has loved us first, love can also blossom as a response within us. In the gradual unfolding of this encounter, it is clearly revealed that love is not merely a sentiment. Sentiments come and go. A sentiment can be a marvellous first spark, but it is not the fullness of love. Earlier we spoke of the process of purification and maturation by which Eros comes fully into its own, becomes love in the full meaning of the word. It is characteristic of mature love that it calls into play all man's potentialities. It engages the whole man, so to speak. Contact with the visible manifestations of God's love can awaken within us a feeling of joy born of the experience of being loved. But this encounter also engages our will and our intellect. Acknowledgement of the living God is one path towards love, and the yes of our will to his will unites our intellect, will and sentiments in the all-embracing act of love. But this process is always open-ended. Love is never finished and complete. Throughout life, it changes and matures, and thus remains faithful to itself. Idem vele atque idem noli, to want the same thing and to reject the same thing, was recognized by antiquity as the authentic content of love. The one becomes similar to the other, and this leads to a community of will and thought. The love story between God and man consists in the very fact that this communion of will increases in a communion of thought and sentiment, and thus our will and God's will increasingly coincide. God's will is no longer for me an alien will, something imposed on me from without by the commandments, but it is now my own will based on the realization that God is, in fact, more deeply present to me than I am to myself. Then self-abandonment to God increases and God becomes our joy. Love of neighbor is thus shown to be possible in the way proclaimed by the Bible, by Jesus. It consists in the very fact that, in God and with God, I love even the person whom I do not like or even know. This can only take place on the basis of an intimate encounter with God, an encounter which has become a communion of will, even affecting my feelings. Then I learn to look on this other person, not simply with my eyes and my feelings, but from the perspective of Jesus Christ. His friend is my friend. Going beyond exterior appearances, I perceive in others an interior desire for a sign of love, of concern. This I can offer them, not only through the organizations intended for such purposes, accepting it perhaps as a political necessity. Seeing with the eyes of Christ, I can give to others much more than their outward necessities. I can give them the look of love which they crave. 
Here we see the necessary interplay between love of God and love of neighbour, which the first letter of John speaks of with such insistence. If I have no contact whatsoever with God in my life, then I cannot see in the other anything more than the other, and I am incapable of seeing in him the image of God. But if in my life I fail completely to heed others, solely out of a desire to be devout and to perform my religious duties, then my relationship with God will also grow arid. It becomes merely proper, but loveless. Only my readiness to encounter my neighbour and to show him love makes me sensitive to God as well. Only if I serve my neighbour can my eyes be opened to what God does for me and how much he loves me. The saints consider the example of Blessed Teresa of Calcutta, constantly renewed their capacity for love of neighbour from their encounter with the Eucharistic Lord. And conversely, this encounter acquired its realism and depth in their service to others. Love of God and love of neighbour are thus inseparable. They form a single commandment, but both live from the love of God, who has loved us first. No longer is it a question, then, of a commandment imposed from without and calling for the impossible, but rather of a freely bestowed experience of love from within, a love which by its very nature must then be shared with others. Love grows through love. Love is divine because it comes from God and unites us to God. Through this unifying process, it makes us a we, which transcends our divisions and makes us one, until in the end, God is all in all. Let us pray. Holy Mary, Mother of God, you have given the world its true light, Jesus, your Son, the Son of God. You abandoned yourself completely to God's call and thus became a wellspring of the goodness which flows forth from him. Show us Jesus. Lead us to him. Teach us to know and love him so that we too can become capable of true love and be fountains of living water in the midst of a thirsting world. Amen.